0: Okay, ladies, so today we are going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And before we get to that, I just want to start and tell you a little bit about my theology journey. Okay, so my theology journey has kind of been interesting and eclectic. The blind faith of my youth drew me to seek godly community through a group called Mothers of Preschoolers, MOPs, which led me to attend an evangelical church, which led me to seek Christian school for my boys, which led me to a true gospel preaching church, Mount Calvary Church, which led me to search the scriptures on my own and read them on my own for the very first time which then led me to seek out people who were way smarter than me and Bible stuff which led me to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and Hank Hanegraaff um, on Sirius XM The Message and eventually I found my man R.C. Sproul and Ligonier Ministries. Now Hank Hanegraaff was the host of a 60-minute Uh, broadcast by the Christian Research Institute, where people would call, and they call in a little 800 number, and they would ask questions about the Bible, theology, doctrine, um, all things Christian, to Hank. And one time, so I listened to him, you know, in the car all the time, and I had never heard anything. I'd never heard such intellectual conversation about the Christian faith. So I was, I was totally hooked. Well, then I saw Hank do his broadcast on YouTube. And I was shocked to see that he was just sitting there with his arms crossed, little headphones on a microphone and a Bible in front of him. And that was it. And people would call and they would ask these questions and he would just answer them. And the answers were very thoughtful and logical and intellectual and wow. So, um, so one of the things that I learned in listening to him is that the more you know, the more questions there actually are. Um, the more things you learn, the more questions you have. And sometimes things aren't so clear cut, particularly when it comes to our faith. Things like the age of the earth, what's really gonna happen in the end times, Do we dunk or do we sprinkle for baptism? There's a lot of debate on these things. Calvinism versus Arminianism. I had never heard such terms before in my entire life, and here they were. There's just all kinds of things. But here is one of the things that Hank repeatedly said on his program. Hello. Okay, can y'all hear me? Wait a minute. We're getting our microphones set up here. Help Help me. Help me. It's not I, I hold it. okay (laughs) all right okay is that any better oh okay well hello again all right so one of the things that Hank always said was in essentials unity non-essentials liberty and in all things charity let me say it again in essentials unity non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And unity is what our passage is about today in Philippians 2, verses 1 uh, 1 to 4. That's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about unity within the church. Now, at the end of chapter 1, Paul was exhorting the Philippians. He's like, you guys need to be united against the enemies of the church. And so in today's passage, Paul's going to be talking about the importance of unity within the church. As the Bible Answer Man said, in essentials, unity. So let's look at our passage. Can someone read um, uh, Philippians 2 verses 1 to 4? So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, when I sit down and I look at a passage, a lot of times it's helpful for me to try to figure out some bullet points. You know, what is this saying? And let's just put it in bullet point manner. So for this passage, this is what I came up with. Verse one is like a foundation. It's our foundation. And who's our foundation? Christ. And in Christ, we have encouragement, comfort, fellowship, tenderness, compassion. Verse two is an exhortation to be like-minded. Verse three is another exhortation. Don't be selfish because it's not about you. Number four is the third exhortation. Put other people first. So we have our foundation and then we have these exhortations that come afterwards. And that just helps me break it down a little bit. Now, look in your Bible, look at your Bible, and you'll see that Paul starts this new section in verse 1 with a two-letter word. So, kind of means the same thing as therefore. And what is therefore? It's to tell you to look look what was before, right? (laughs) So, we're going to look back. Um, So, it's an indicator to remember what we talked about in the previous verses, which was unity against the enemies of the church. And so, therefore, since we are united against our enemies, Paul now is saying, hey, I want you to think about what we have in Christ. I want you to think about this foundation that we have in Christ. He is the rock on which we stand. So these, so in Christ, we have these foundational elements like encouragement, comfort, fellowship, tenderness, Um Well, in the ESV, it says affection and sympathy. And if we are all standing on the same rock, sharing the same Christ, getting the same stuff, then we should be of the same mind, selfless and humble. If we can be united against the enemies of of the church, then we should definitely be united within the church, right? Right? Makes sense. But unfortunately, that is just not the way it typically works out. Sometimes churches can argue over some of the dumbest things and people will leave a church for some crazy reasons um, or argue incessantly over ridiculous things. And so here's some winners. I found this um, blog post that said 25 silly things church members fight over. And I thought these were pretty pretty golden. So first one, using modern instruments in the worship team. Somebody said at their church, drums are the home of Satan. Okay. Um, Clothing within the church. Now I've actually witnessed this one. Um, The pastor's wife wore a skirt that was above her knee and I had a new friend. She was in, um, her son was also in Adam's class when he was in like first grade or something. And she said to me, "She goes, did you see Pastor's wife's skirt?" And I'm like, "No, what, what what? No, I didn't." She's like, "It was ridiculous. It is so worldly." And I mean, I think I think the dress came up to her neck, and it, you know, and but was just above the knee. I am telling you, I never saw her in our church again. Um, in that same article, it talked about how um, some Presbyterian and Lutheran churches have had people leave because their, their pastor stops wearing the robes, right? So they leave the church. Okay? Um, there were two different churches in that blog that reported fights over the type of coffee. Uh, In one of them, they moved from Folgers to a Starbucks brand, and in the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend, and they actually had people that left the church over the change in the coffee. Um, There was was talk about a business meeting that they argued about whether or not the church should purchase a weed whacker or not. And it took two business meetings to resolve this issue. But my favorite one, (laughs) my favorite one was... An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church meal. <laughs> and so and so, this is where I think my man Hank Hanegraaff really laid it out for us succinctly. He said, in essentials, we must have unity. In non-essentials, let's have the liberty to talk lovingly about it and in all things, let's be charitable. Let's be charitable. So let's look at the four primary things that Paul is saying that unite us in Christ. Um, Let's look at Philippians 2 verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Okay. So in verse one, so we're getting our little bullet points here. If y'all want to make your little list, get your little bullet points. Paul is appealing to the benefits of being in Christ. We get encouragement, comfort from love, participation in the spirit. Some translations um, would say fellowship. Then we get affection and sympathy. And who doesn't want these things? Like, who doesn't want encouragement and comfort and fellowship and affection and sympathy? It's as if Paul is reminding the Philippians that they are wrapped up in all these warm fuzzies um, before he's going to exhort them to some more difficult things. He's reminding them, hey, look, you've got all these things that are covering you. Aren't they great? Like, you you have all these things in Christ and they unite you together. Isn't that awesome? Ryan Kelly says that the, that the four conditions of verse 1 are simply the fundamental realities of the gospel. They are the inevitable results of being in Christ. And all of us in Christ share these things. If we share something with another person, it gives us a touch point on which we can unite. I'm always looking for shared experiences with my boys. They're 25 and 22. It's very hard to find things that we can share in common. And so I'm looking for these touch points, these places where we can unite. And so as Christians in Christ, we can be united in our encouragement in him. Tony Merida says, we have the blessing of knowing Christ and being found in him. We can also be united in our comfort from the love of Christ. David Gusick, he said the word comfort in this passage is the ancient Greek word paraklesis. It has the idea of strengthening, of helping, of making strong. Now, I know many of you have experienced great, great suffering. And I also know that many of you have experienced God's loving comfort, the greatest in that suffering. It is his comfort that gives us the strength to endure when things in life just seem hopeless. And it's a picture of 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 to 5. Does somebody have that? Yeah. Yeah. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So in Christ, we all have his comfort and sharing that same comfort with others should unite us and bring us together. So, We're united in our comfort, uh, in our encouragement in Christ. We are united in our comfort from the love of Christ. And we are united in our participation in the Spirit. Well, what's participation in the Spirit? Like I said earlier, some translations will use the word fellowship. The Greek word is kononia, which means sharing things in common. As Christ followers, we share in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If you are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and I am in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then we are naturally in fellowship together. Our fellowship with the Holy Spirit unites us. John MacArthur said this, Because they are united to the Lord Jesus in faith, they are united to one another in love. Well, Jesus had something to say about love among us, didn't he? Let's look at John 13:35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then John 17:21. I pray that all of these people continue to have unity in the way that you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they may be united with us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. So Jesus was talking about us loving one another and the world knowing that we are his because of how we are united with each other. That love is what binds us together, that fellowship. In Christ, with the Holy Spirit, we have instant sisterhood. I mean, have you ever felt that instant connection to someone that you just met and then you later find out that they are also a believer? We share in our position in Christ. We have Christ in common. We have testimonies in common of how Jesus paid a debt that we couldn't pay to give us a life that we didn't deserve. That's our commonality. That's what brings us together. We love Jesus. He loves us. We are therefore to love one another. We can be united in the fellowship of the Spirit. And so we are united in encouragement, comfort, fellowship, and finally in affection and sympathy. Because of Christ, we have affection and sympathy. Now in, in John 13, 35, we just read, that we will show the world we belong to Jesus by our love, the outward, of, the outward expression of that love would be things like affection, kindness, sympathy, and empathy toward each other. Who has John thirteen thirty okay. four? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So he gave, he gave this command. I mean, it's not an option. It is not an option. We are told, love one another, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Paul, Peter, and James, and the writer of Hebrews also gave us 59 one another statements showing us how to love one another. They gave us instructions on how loving each other works out. Like, what does it look like? And Paul's getting ready to give us a a lesson on what this affection and sympathy look like as we get down into our uh, verses. But in these four foundational elements, is there anything negative in there? Is there anything negative? No. We've got encouragement, comfort, fellowship, affection, and sympathy. And this is the picture of how we are to live in Christ. We truly should be the most joyful, loving, kind people who are the easiest to get along with on the face of the earth, but just do not change the the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. Don't you do it, or there will be a riot. No, shouldn't be that way. Um, So Paul is just giving us this very um, detailed picture of the foundation on which we should all be united. And then he starts in on his exhortations in verse 2. All right. Who's got Philippians 2 verse 2? Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Okay. So what is Paul telling the church to do? Y'all can shout it out. What's he telling them to do? Be of one mind in Christ. He And in, in the if one, one way of saying it wasn't enough, he gave us another one. <laughs> so being one in spirit, same love, one of one spirit, of one mind. And I love how he defines his terms right away. Like he's like, in case you're wondering what I meant by um, you know, by having the same love, I'm gonna tell you this is what it means. Being like-minded to Paul means what? Having the same love and being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul says make my joy complete by being like-minded and united. Tony Merida calls this Paul's imperative. He says the imperative from Paul is fulfill my joy. A minister's well-being is always tied to the unity and growth of the church. Who has um, 3 John verse 4? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So I just want to pause a minute. This, this passage isn't really all about Paul's joy, but because he mentions it here, I, just, I want to sit on that for just a minute. So he says, make my joy complete by being united. And I'm going to tell you that as a ministry leader, as your shepherd, I can attest to you that it does make my joy complete. When I see all of you here regularly, when I see you at church, when I see you caring for one another, praying for one another, and serving one another, that brings me joy. I mean, it is like medicine to my soul because I deal with a lot of yucky stuff day after day. But when I see you, When I see you, when you are present, whether I get to talk to you or not, it brings me joy. Um, So don't believe the lie that nobody will care whether or not you show up. Don't believe that lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I'm telling you right now. Um, On a Sunday morning, if pastor doesn't get a chance to talk to you, don't think that he doesn't care about you. He sees you. They all see you, um, and it brings us joy when we do see you there, even if we don't get a chance to say hi that morning. In an article written by an organization called Nine Marks, the article was called 25 Reasons to Regularly Participate in Corporate Worship. So there were 25, and it's a good article. I posted on my Facebook page not too long ago, but anyway. Number seven says, It brings joy to the spiritual leaders who watch over your soul and who must give account for you. Absenteeism grieves them and is unprofitable for you. Paul attested to that. I can attest to that. So please show up because we love that. It does. It completes our joy. So, okay. So in verse 2, Paul's saying, Hey, you Philippians, bring me joy by being united in love, in spirit, and in mind. And remember, my man Hank Hanegraaff, he said, in essentials, we need to have unity. So, in addition to the things in Christ that unite us in verse 1, we can be united in our minds and united in what we believe. And in order to be united in what we believe, we need to have an understanding of what the essentials are. Theology matters, and doctrine matters. And um, These two, this one. So think about the songs that we sing every Sunday. We're singing these truths in unison, but do we believe them? Do you really believe it? Have you ever sometimes, I don't know about you. Sometimes I just sing the songs. And I don't really think about the words. But think about the words that we sing because we are all singing them in unison and we are essentially saying, we believe this. One of the songs that we sing is a is a song called this I believe. And it's kind of like we're singing a creed. The chorus says, I believe in God, our father, I believe in Christ, the son, I believe in the Holy spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for, I believe in the name of Jesus. Now, the essentials mentioned in this song have to do, you know, with our, essentials belief, our essential belief about the Trinity and the resurrection. And there are other essential beliefs for members and volunteers and staff at Mount Calvary Church. Now, what, we just, what I just passed, um, passed out are the essential beliefs of Mount Calvary Church that, that are listed on our website. If you go through our Discover Mount Calvary class, You can get a full copy of the constitution that goes into greater detail of these essential beliefs. Um, but when you become a member of a church, you are uniting with your fellow brothers and sisters and claiming these essential beliefs. And so in addition to being united on our statement of faith, we need to be united on why we exist. And so that, that leads me to Mount Calvary's um, mission statement. I don't know if y'all have seen on our sign or on all the other things, it says passionately pursuing Christ. And how do you do this? These are, this is some essential, this is the essential DNA of Mount Calvary Church. We want to passionately pursue Christ. How do we do that? We become, we grow, and we go and make disciples. Everything we do is filtered through our statement of faith and our call to passionately pursue Christ. So I handed out those, um, I handed out that um, the essentials, and I would just encourage you to read through that. And if you have any questions about them, um, I I know, I mean, come and talk to us about it. Um, I know that when I was kind of a baby Christian and I was just, I remember. I remember getting a copy of the Mount Calvary Statement of Faith. I don't even know how I got it. And I gave it to a friend of mine who was way more spiritually mature than me. And I was like, is this a good church? I have no idea. I didn't know. <laughs> and so um, she read it and she said, yeah, it's a good church. I'm like, okay. Um, if that's you, you know, come and talk to me because we don't know what we don't know. And um, these essential things are important. I, are important. I just heard somebody... Um, they did a survey, you know, uh, you know how these people talk on social media and, you know, people within the church, and they were asking, what is the number one problem in the church today? And the one guy was, his argument was, it's biblical illiteracy. It's biblical illiteracy. We don't know our doctrine. We don't know our Bibles. We don't know what we believe, really, and that's how you can get wonky things um, in the church. So, we must have unity of mind on the essentials, and we can have liberty on the non-essentials and charity on everything else. I mean, think about church splits that you've ever heard of. Have they been over essentials? I mean, sometimes they are. There are churches splitting today over the essentials of creation order, really. You know, what does it? What, does, what is the definition of marriage? What does it mean to be male and female? So there are churches today that are splitting over essentials. Um, but a lot of times it's not essentials. And I know several years ago here at Mount Calvary Church, it seemed like there was a great migration of people and our, I guess you would call our senior saints um, generation And, um, I talked to a few of them about, I'm like, why are you leaving? And what they should, now, I don't know, I don't know everyone's reasons, but the ones I talked to, they told me it was because of the music. They didn't like the music. And so they left. Well, one sweet friend was in that same generation. Her friends left and they begged her to come along. Come on over. It's really fun. It's good. You know? And she said, no, she said, I said that as long as Mount Calvary Church preached the word of God, I was going to stay here. And she stayed here. That, my friend, is an example of unity on the essentials. Okay, so let's get back to our text. So in verse 1, we had our foundation, unity in Christ. Um, Then we had our first exhortation of making Paul happy and joyful by being united in love and mind and spirit and then on verses 3 and 4 he gives us some do's and don'ts on humility so let's read Philippians 2 verses 3 to 4 okay. do nothing from rivalry or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, so if I map this out in my little bullet points, because that's how my brain thinks, it would be, do not be selfish or conceited. Do be humble and second. Do not look only to your own interests. Do look to the interests of others. So we have do not do, do not do. Right? Those are things. You know, what do you think selfish ambition and conceit might look like? Think about that for a minute. What does selfish ambition and conceit look like? Maybe it's a desire for our own self advancement or promotion. We- self gain. Yeah, yeah, unwilling to bend. Unwilling to bend. Yeah, Yep. Yeah. David Gusick says that the concept is empty glory, empty glory, or thinking too highly of oneself. So we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves and we shouldn't be out for number one. But verse three says we should in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Tony Meredith says verse 3 is talking about pursuing Christ-like humility. There will never be unity in a congregation apart from people walking in humility. If everybody's out for number one, everybody can't be number one. Right? Can't be, not everybody can be number one. Uh, let's read Romans twelve sixteen. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. And so Christ is our model for humility. I remember Pastor Dick used to say this about love. He said, love always does what's best for the other person. And to me, that's a great way of saying, consider others more more significant than yourselves. Think about what is best for them. Um, This concept of doing what is best for the other person also goes into verse 4 as well. You might also think of it as an application of the golden rule, rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So it says, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others as well. Notice he doesn't say that you are to never look to your own interests but it can't be your own interest all the time. I mean, think about self-care. Self-care is not selfish. Think about airline safety instructions. What do they say? Put your mask on yourself first so that then you can put a mask on the little people that are sitting next to you. Sometimes we have to take care of ourselves so first so that we can take care of others. And I just think it's really interesting that Paul said, you know, he, he kind of noted that by saying, your, your focus cannot only be yourself. Um, it doesn't, he's not saying don't ever think of yourself, but it can't only be yourself. And so, so I just want to remind you uh, to not misunderstand verses 3 and 4 here. This is not a license for you to be a doormat to abuse and to never think about your own needs. Remember, Jesus is our example of walking in humility, and Jesus went away by himself at times, and rested. But at the same time, it can't be all me, 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 you know, all the time. It can't be what I, you know, it can't be I want what I want and I want it right now. Um, When it is always me, 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 and not Christ, 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 then then unity is, of course, broken, and division is going to happen. So in essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And I just feel like this is a very succinct way of summarizing our passage today. Imagine what our world would be like if Christians were united in Christ, encouraging, comforting, fellowshipping, and sharing in affection and mercy. And let me leave you with this. So as I was preparing and thinking about this lesson, I read in my daily devotion Psalm 113, one to three. Did I hand that out? Oh, yes. Okay. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and for From the rising of the sun unto the going down save, the the of the saints, the Lord's name is be praised. Did you catch that? From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now imagine if we were all united in praising the Lord from the rising of the sun to its setting. There'd be no room for division in the church because everybody would be spending their energy and using their words to praise the Lord. So ladies, let's be united in Christ, in essentials, unity non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Because remember, united in Christ, we can stand. But if we are divided, we will fall.